in the book itself, in AA, in a book, it talks really about different levels of solution in a way. There's the level of solution which is we're going to do and have ourselves into a different condition. Yeah? Almost like it's the consequential level. It's like the the shit in the fan hallway. Yeah? How to sort of got, not get hit by any shit by the fans, which are constantly turning on while you're in the hallway. Yeah? That's like the consequential level that most of us have lived under. We didn't really know the, sh- uh, the shit was going to hit the fan until it hit us in the face. It's a very slow way of rocking things or understanding things. Yeah, You have to get whacked. Now, there's another way, which is they talk about it on page 62, 63, and mostly, I think, on page 84, where it talks about a reliance on something greater than self and what will happen if we do that. First, it says in page 63, it says, if we sincerely take this position of relying on something greater than self, and the point is to me is to know or to have a certain working understanding what self is and what it isn't. My view, it isn't you. That's all you really need to know about it. (laughs) Because everything you learn about self hopefully will dilute into one simple answer, which is I'm not that. Yes. Because the self is sort of like when they talk to us when we came in here in, in recovery. It says, you've got to be willing to save your ass instead of your face. But if you were like me, I thought my face was my ass. Yeah? <laughs> I thought my image, the mental idea I had of me that was being reinforced all day by the narrative inside my head and all my perceptions of what I thought was going on, I thought that was me. And I was willing to save my face, but I was losing my ass. So I had a spiritual anatomy course here, and they corrected me, and they showed my ass and the difference between my ass and my face, and for the last 21 years, I've been saving my ass, which makes your face look pretty good, actually, if you save your ass. So in this, the idea of self in AA is that they took it as back as far as this. They said, the root of our problem is obsession with it. We're extremely concerned with self, and self is a feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, a body, basically, yeah? You're identified as this. Now, if you and I are identified as this, we cannot entertain being spirit, because we're already entertaining being this. What we can do is entertain for this to become spiritual, which really doesn't work well. It really doesn't. Because this is not spiritual. You can try to apply spirituality on it and maybe graft it on it and sew it on it, but it's not going to really hold. The thing we're, we're trying to share here is that maybe you are spirit in the first place, which would be the best way to maintain a spiritual condition would be to know you are one. Yeah? Instead of believing you're a physical condition and a mental condition and then suffering the consequences of believing that in your life, this physical and mental condition, and hoping to get some spiritual solutions for this dilemma, but the real solution is you're not this, to me. Yeah? If you are the spirit, that is that is the true immunity to all the problems that come with being identified as a body and a brain. The best solution to the problems that come into life based on you thinking you're a body and a brain is to realize you're not a body and a brain. That is the best solution to all the dilemmas that being a body and a brain bring about. If you keep looking for solutions as a body and a brain to the problems of being a body and a brain, it's not going to work. 
<coughs> so in AA it says the physical and mental will follow if the spiritual malady is corrected. And that's To me, the spiritual malady is just forgetfulness. You forgot that you're a spirit and you're constantly remembering you're a body and a brain. Yeah. And in that remembrance, you be, this becomes your identity and you, you forget your real nature, which is of spirit. And what we're really seeking for is a solution to that forgetfulness, which I feel the only solution is to remember your spirit. The most direct... If the spiritual dilemma is forgetfulness, and it's causing a lot of dilemma, then the solution would be to remember your spirit. Wouldn't it? I mean, it's the quickest, simplest, clearest way to see. But you can't remember that your spirit as the idea you have of yourself, as being a body. Body cannot comprehend, and the brain, believing it's a body, cannot comprehend that it's a spirit because it's already busy comprehending that it's a body. Yeah. So what we're saying is, the root of the problem, maybe, maybe not obsession with self. I believe it's identification as self. And it's very easy to see identification as self, because that is a verb the mind is doing all day. How, would, how is identification as self demonstrated? This modality of thought and interpretation called self-centeredness, its major movement is claiming, yes? So the body is claimed to be my body. Time is claimed to be my time. Yes. The past is my past. The future is my past. Thoughts are my thoughts. Feelings are my feelings. Right? Every conscious contact that I'm in all day, which is seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, my head believes that it's the one that's seeing, it's the one that's feeling, it's the one that's tasting, it's the one that's touching, it's the one that's smelling. The conscious contact has no need for you to be in conscious contact. You are conscious contact. You are conscious contact. Conscious contact is consciousness moving through this body, being aware of stimuli called things outside. Through five doors. Hearing, seeing, feeling, tasting, and touch and smelling. Yeah? That's how you're in contact. Now, the contact's happening. There's seeing, feeling, tasting, touching, smelling. And the head interprets it. The conditioned head itself goes, I'm seeing, I'm hearing, I'm feeling, I'm tasting, I'm touching. You're now unconscious to conscious contact. You're unconscious to conscious contact. <coughs> totally. Because the conscious contact is forgotten, and now you're living an interpretation that I am in conscious contact. I'm hearing, I'm feeling, I'm tasting, I'm touching, I'm smelling, and it is not the fact. Conscious contact is going on without any narrative that you're the one that's in conscious contact. It's going on prior to the narrative. The conscious contact happens, and the head's reaction to it is, I did it. I heard it, I felt it, I, I smelled it, I tasted it, I touched it, and then it has options. I didn't want to see that, but it did see it. Yeah? The seeing is indisputable. If your eye was open and you were looking out a window and a bird went by, you saw the bird. If the head rises and goes, I didn't want to see that bird, but you saw the bird. Yeah? I hated to hear that noise, but you heard the noise. Yeah? The conscious contact is first, and then the mind's take is, I'm in conscious contact. That is the beginning of the trance called self-centeredness.
So you forget your spiritual nature and you become a mental construct called a self, which is a body and a brain identification. You become a historical figure who has a past and a future, who has private thoughts and private feelings and private reactions to situations. And we waltz into this place, suffering tons of dilemmas based on this ignorance, and we sat in an AA meeting, and we heard people share at an AA meeting, and if you didn't have cotton in your ear, after a while you could only come to two conclusions. Either everyone in this room has my feelings, and my thoughts, and my reactions, or they're not my feelings, my thoughts, and my reactions. You've just been given a giant boon. You've recognized what you were calling to be personal is not personal. What's been demonstrated in you is the expressions of a system called self-centeredness. You and I are an extreme subdivision of it called alcoholism. We're extremely concerned with self. What everyone is in the world, but we're extremely concerned with it, which makes us more crazy than the rest usually, yeah? So this self, this parasite of alcoholism, has taken over everyone in the host here. If you asked everyone in this room, because it says self has defeated us in our book, you ask, all right, what self defeated you? Everyone would have the same answer. Myself. Right? Everyone in this room, 40 people, would have the same answer. All right, what self defeated you? Myself defeated me. That's the act of identification. Self is happening in the head, but you're identified as it with the word my. Yeah? So the self has a thought system, and we have an extreme thought system called alcoholism, and many of us have the same thoughts because we're taken over by the same parasite. We come into an AA meeting and we share those thoughts, and usually from the point of being terminally unique. We actually think no one has ever had as bad a thought as I've had, and nobody has ever felt like I felt, and definitely no one ever did what I did out there. And then you share this at a meeting, and you find that in one group, seven or eight people, 10, 15 people, have done that most heinous thing you were never going to share with another human being. They've done, they just did it yesterday. And they're planning on doing one tomorrow. So you have to see this thing that you're calling you is not you, unless there's a lot of yous. <coughs> unless there's a lot of yous. Maybe you're taking you because you look at yourself in a mirror and you look different than all the other yous, but that is just... <laughs> that's just a, the color of the car. You know what I mean? Instead of a Ford being blue, you got a yellow one. But then you drive and smell and turn just like every other Ford. <laughs> you're an alcoholic. You're not an alcoholic. That's the good news. But alcoholism has taken you over. And so you think like an alcoholic does. You react to situations like an alcoholic does. And you feel like an alcoholic does. And you also have one of its typical thought, which is, I'm terminally unique. And you were until you came to AA. And in AA, obviously, the covers were pulled, if you actually had your ears open. You realize, Jesus, how could everyone have my thoughts in this room? <laughs> Where did they get them? I was the only one I thought. I thought I was the only one who was thinking these thoughts. They seemed to have hijacked or jacked into me. No, they've been taken over by the same parasite. It's not a parasite. I use it as a way of drawing a picture. It's a system of thought and interpretation called self-centeredness. And it's a perfectly apt description. Everything is centered on self in this world of thought and interpretation. And we've been suffering from that system. And one of its main strategies is it doesn't allow you to entertain any other systems, really. 
Because every time you're introduced to another system of thought interpretation, who fit, the thing that thinks is going to entertain that new thought system is self. Yeah? So this one system has a beautiful nugget that the other systems don't have. Yeah? And that is, you're identified with its center called self. You believe you're a long-lasting independent separate entity. So let's say you get introduced to Buddhism, some incredible wisdom of the last 2,500 years. But what's going to read the Buddhism is self. Yeah? They'll be reading, the conscious contact will be happening, but what will be claiming the contact will be self, and so now the self may decide to become a Buddhist. They'll become a self-Buddhist. Yeah? And usually what they do is they try to look like one, or their idea of what they think a Buddhist looks like. They try to go where they think a Buddhist goes. <laughs> they try to read books what, in what the head thinks a Buddhist would read books on, but they miss the whole flavor of Buddhism, which is freedom. From what? Self. The whole premise of Buddhism is non-self. Anatta. There is no self. Yeah? But now there's cells practicing Buddhism, <laughs> but so that the self can become like a no-self. There's no need for a self to become like a no-self. There is no self. Yeah? So, we're suffering the effects of self-centeredness to either a huge degree or a lesser degree, but we're suffering the effects of it because the parasite has taken us over and it's using, it, using us to express itself through. That's what it's doing. Read the book. It says it beautifully clearly. It's page 64. Self being convinced, which means to believe with certainty, that self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. Okay? There should be a giant pause in the book after that. I would, I would really have about 30 blank pages so that you would not, and you know, if you had to have a, something on the page, it would be pause, pause, pause. All right, continue after 30 pages. No? Just sit there, all right. Self manifested in various ways. Manifested what it means to appear, yeah? So it appears in various ways is what has defeated us. So many appearances it takes. And that's how it defeats us. When we're convinced of that, we will now look at its, meaning self's, common appearances in one's life. And then it says, all right, the next, the first paragraph, the next word is resentment. Yeah? So to actually to read it exactly as they put it here. It says, all right, being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us, we considered its common manifestations, period. The next statement, paragraph, is resentment is the number one offender. So we're actually, resentment is an expression of self, or of the parasite called alcoholism. And it gets to express into life through us, when we're what? Identified as self. Yeah? Fear also is a manifestation of self. And fear, or anxiety, gets to express itself through us, when we're identified as self. Yeah? Harming other per people in the pursuit of what we want is one of the expressions of self in our life. Yeah? And it gets to express itself through and into our life because we're identified as it. Yeah? It wouldn't have such carte blanche access to every aspect of your life if you didn't believe it was you. Because you would question it when it came in, especially after you got to know some of its characteristics. 
When you saw that selfing entering into an area that you feel is important, let's say like relationships, you with the five alarm five alarms would go off. There would be beep, 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 intruder entering, intruder entering. But it walks right into your life because you're identified as it. It's got the greatest strategy of a, of a parasite because it's a very hostile takeover. Tell me it isn't. Tell me before you started drinking alcoholically and after, has it been a nice smooth sailing? <laughs> Did you just sail into the last detox? Really? Were you sitting at a coffee table going over brochures and Azanam came up? <laughs> I haven't been here to free, free for three days. I don't think I'll go there. Where do I sign up? Oh, I just got to get loaded? That's easy. Of course not. You didn't sail into anything. It's been a hostile ride. You've gotten your ass literally kicked. You've lost all integrity that you thought you had. You came in here spiritually, bank emotionally, physically, financially bankrupt, most of us. This thing did a damn good job. It took over your life, and it's been expressing everything it wants in it, and you're around to clean up the mess. If someone comes into your house and starts bitching to you, what I would call selfing, you're sick of it in three minutes. Literally. You want to do the laundry or do something. Get away from them. But you've been listening to the same thing in your own head for 40 years, 30 years, 20 years. What's the difference? Selfing is selfing. The difference is some of it's my selfing and some of it's your selfing. Your selfing I have incredible wisdom about. I can see how insane your selfing is. But the same selfing going on and my head believes it's about me, I'm totally confused and in a trance. I see, it sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Literally, it sounds like a fantastic idea. What's the difference? It's the same stream, the same mental system of selfing. What's the difference? One, you have immunity to because you see it as theirs. The other, you have no immunity to because you believe it's about you. That is called the act of identification. When you can start noticing that, you will see what it talks about in the big book of AA. Quit playing God, it doesn't work. This thing called self plays God in your life. It has you believing in separation and lack, that you're vulnerable, that you'll never be loved, or you'll never be okay, you'll never succeed. Never this, never that. It has you cringing in fear, and yet there's no fearful situation at the moment. It doesn't need a fearful situation. It has the future to produce all the anxiety it needs to produce. You and I, most of the time, live in what's not happening. We're in a head that's in a mythical Friday, and in mythical Friday, anything can happen to you because it's not happening. So anything can happen which is you can have cancer, you can be destitute, your boyfriend or girlfriend may be planning on sleeping with your best friend next Friday. And here you are on Monday, but the poor body isn't responding to Monday. It's reacting to that mythical Friday. So to it, you have cancer. To it, your boyfriend or girlfriend just slept with your best friend. To it, right now, it's incredible anxiety. It's a... It's, the, the, the mind and selfing can produce the physiological effects of fear called anxiety. That's what it does. There's nothing to be afraid of right now, but you're not responding to right now. 
you're responding to what's not happening. And in what's not happening, it is incredibly fearful because anything can happen there. <laughs> anything. And if you have a head sort of like my head, I would say most of your speculation is about 88% negative and maybe 12% positive. So maybe 12% of the time you may be thinking something really great is going to happen to me, but usually about 88% of the time you're not thinking it's going to be great. You're thinking it's going to be fucking terrible. Yeah. So if your head is up yourself's ass, that is living in what's not happening, because the past and the future is dominant there. And you travel there through thought. Because the thought happens now, but the thought is about next week. The thought can't produce next week now, but it can take you to next week if you're not available here. If you're unconscious to your true presence of being a spirit, and you are identified as a body and a brain, you are on. This is what allows you to time travel by thought. You can think about next Friday, and it will seem as if it's happening. Only to you, because someone else in the room is in a mythical next Tuesday. That's why it's very hard to communicate why you're flipping out, because most of the time you're flipping out about what's not happening. So the person actually doesn't know what you're flipping about, out about, but they're flipping out about another what's not happening. But it's not the same what's not happening that you are. So it's very hard to communicate with people, because they don't get that your mountains are mountains. They see them as molehills. And, and you want to express your mountains to them, and, they, and that person sees your mountains as molehills. Yes? Because very rarely are we in the same mythical what's not happening. It's very difficult, because what's not happening has no rules or regulations. It's not happening. You can go in the past, you can go in the future, you can go to a, a mythical day on Mars, you can go anywhere that's not happening. But beautifully, there is something called what's happening. It's not as fancy as what's not happening, because only one thing's happening in that which is right now. And now your head may, not, may be bored about what's happening. It might, it might want to live in what's not happening. It's more fun there because it can create and make terrible scenarios out of nothing. Here, it's about accepting what is. And this is the first place the head plays God. It refuses to accept what is. If you go to AA meetings, one of the most, one of the most brought up topics and the hardest things to do for us in AA is acceptance. I've gone to thousands of meetings, and I've heard that thing at least 500, 600 times. The topic today is acceptance. Yeah. The thing is, when whoever brings up that topic is probably not in acceptance, because you don't, when you're in acceptance, you never think about acceptance, because it's a living verb. You're accepting. Yeah. And the accepting, in a sense, is the easiest thing in the world to do. It's not touching, thinking, changing anything about what's happening right now. And it's the hardest thing for our head and self to do. Because it wants to manipulate and change and make different and make it seem something better than it isn't. Yeah? So it wants to live in what's not happening because that's where it appears to be somebody. You can't think of yourself as a spirit, can you? Try. But you can think of yourself as a body. And you can think of yourself as a head, yes? And you can think of yourself as, when you go to the past, how do you view yourself? Don't you see yourself as a body? When you go into what's not happening in the past, how do you see yourself? You picture yourself as a body, yeah? 
If you think about what's going to happen to you in the future, who is the, how do you picture to you that you're afraid something's going to happen to? The body, yeah? When you're thinking about, oh, Jesus, this is going to happen to me next week, who is the me that you're thinking about that that terrible thing's going to happen to? A body. That's called being identified as a body. Yes? If that's what you think about you as, that's called the act of being identified as a body. A spirit can't be taught, thought about, because a spirit is. Yeah? It's a living verb right now. It's consciously in contact with everything that's arising, every, every moment. It never blinks, it never takes a vacation, it never, like, yawns, it never closes its eyes. It's always aware. There's the conscious contact is always, always, always available. Yeah? And you are that. There's no, there's no way you can think about that. Because it's a verb, and thoughts are nouns. Yeah? Thoughts are dead. Thoughts are from memory and past. You haven't had a new thought in, in probably thousands of years. In ten years, twenty years. They're just regurgitated all the time. And you haven't had, you've been refeeling things your whole life. It means, just like we use the word resentment to describe a, you refeel something, well, everything you feel is a refeeling in self. Self is interpreting conscious contact as something that it isn't, which is causing you to be unconscious to the fact that you're conscious contact. And there's no way in hell you're going to get an interpretation that's going to capture conscious contact. You can't capture the verb with an interpretation of it. You live it. Right now, you're awake. Being awake, you're available to others. Being available to others, or just being available, you're of service. That's what happens. We're so out to lunch, we have to dupe service, formal service experiences, so that we can feel available for once instead of feeling so absorbed in us all day, we help someone else and we feel a little bigger, and then when we're feeling bigger, we sense a presence. We call it God or higher power, but that presence is conscious contact, and you're that. You don't sense the presence when you're unconscious to that. So, all right, I do service, I get that sense of being available, and I feel a presence, hopefully, a presence we call of a higher power or of God, or of spirit. But then, immediately, I believe I had the experience of the spirit, which puts me back into selfing again. And now, I'm back in there where I'm not feeling the presence. All I have is a memory of one time I did feel the presence. And so, hopefully, maybe I'll do service again, and I'll have to get the experience again. It's like a free sample. But one day, hopefully, when you, rec when you sense that presence, maybe, just maybe, there'll be a recognition, I am that. I am that presence. Yeah? And if I'm that presence, then that means I'm always available. And if I'm always available, I'm of service. There's no choice in the matter. Someone who's present and available is of service. They're not on call, totally on call. They can do formal service commitments, but they're not. They're, their act of serving isn't defined by that formal act of service. They're of service. It's more infused in the way they look at life now. Just like gratitude. After a while, 
in AA, your attitude will be infused with gratitude, where before it was infused with envy and lack and scarcity. Yeah? You won't even have so many experiences anymore of gratitude, because you'll be in a state of gratitude. Yes? In other words, the, the, the medicine truly worked. If you read the promises in the book, what do they describe? page 83, yeah? So it says, we are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. This is so cool because all we've been doing is practicing these old freedoms and old happinesses in the self-centered modality, and they suck. (laughs) They don't last. You always have to re-up. You always have to get the newest and improved happiness and whatever. But this is going to be a new freedom and a new happiness, not based on your self-understanding, but based on the fact of happiness and serenity, yeah? We will be, let's see, we'll be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. Yeah? You can never not regret the past if you're living in it. That's called, that's called regretting the past, is living in it. You, you, when you're placed in a position of neutrality, one of the byproducts of that is you don't regret the past. You cannot not regret the past if you're in self. Because you believe you omitted something or you did something that you wish you hadn't done. Yes? That's called regret. There's no freaking way in hell a self is ever going to stop regretting the past. But when you get out of self-centeredness and you're placed in that position of neutrality, from that position of neutrality, you see the past is not real, therefore there's no regret of it. Yes? You cannot see the past as unreal from self. It's impossible. Because self and past and future are synonymous. Yes? Selfing, the idea of being this apparatus, is based on you having a life that you were the doer and haver of. Based on the past remembrances of all of the things you did and had, and the whole future speculations of all the things you hope you'll do and have. Self and this time are totally intrinsically connected. Being placed in the position of neutrality, you are freed from the regret of the past and freed from the speculation about a future. Because you finally realize this is the reality. And the the greatest immunity to illusion is reality. If you're an illusion about who you are, then past and future are going to seem real. Because an illusion cannot recognize an illusion. But when you wake up to what you are, that is reality. You will see the illusion of past and future. You'll do what you do concerning them, but you won't regret it and you won't dwell in it, nor will you speculate constantly about the future, because you know you're in good hands. This is called a new freedom and a new happiness. Where is this? We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. We mustn't be able to comprehend serenity and peace in self-centeredness. Obviously, I would think that's what he's implying, because finally we come out of self-centeredness by doing the steps, and then we can comprehend what we couldn't comprehend before. So self can't comprehend peace and serenity, because self is bondage and slavery. You can't be free as a self. It's not being free from self. It's free from bondage to self. The bonding is slavery. You can't comprehend serenity and peace as a self. 
You can only accept, you can comprehend vacations maybe, little relief, in other words, a spike of peace instead of this, this whole low hum of fear all day, you'll get a spike of peace, that will be the idea you may have of serenity, but it's saying no, you will comprehend the word serenity and no peace. Because peace and serenity are not of self-centeredness. They're of that spiritual realm, the fourth dimension. Self-centeredness is the third dimension. Yeah? You cannot entertain the products of the fourth dimension from the third dimension. They don't translate. So we leave the third dimension by realizing I'm not a self, and then we see our citizenship of the fourth dimension, then we comprehend peace and serenity because they're of the fourth dimension. We have a new attitude and outlook that's based on the fourth dimension. We know a new happiness based on the fourth dimension. But the fourth dimension cannot be traveled to by a self. Self-centeredness is a system of the third dimension or of this material realm. It cannot travel to the fourth dimension. The fourth dimension, in a sense, what we are is of the fourth dimension, and we're like on a work visa here. We're identified <laughs> with what we're not, and it's a whole fucking lot of work here, isn't it? You have to constantly keep maintaining some kind of sanity, because you feel like you're going to flip out every freaking day, eh? This place is freaking crazy. Really, just look at any society. If you thought this place was sane, look at any society that puts profit before health. Give me a freaking break. This place is totally insane. It's totally crazy that there would even be a debate about... <laughs> Are you really telling me that they don't, they don't want to give me medical care because that will ensure they have a profit? Yes! That's exactly their strategy. Oh! This place is crazy. The whole place is crazy. People think the boredom is exciting. This place is as boring as hell. You're, go, you're, re -go, you're re going over stuff every second. You're, it's like Groundhog's Day every day. You're reliving the same fucking shit every day. Aren't you sick of it? No, because we're special. It's going to work out one day. No, it's working out exactly like the self wants it to work out. It wants you to be totally unconscious so it can express itself through you. If you woke up to the parasite and entertained you weren't it, you would throw it off that second. You would see the hostility of its nature. You would look with a sober mind at your history. Do you want any more of this guidance you've been taking? Do you want to wait to feel love from an outside source another second when you are the source of love itself? Why are you waiting for something outside of you to save your ass? It's not going to show up. And if it does, you'll kill it. Anyway. <laughs> Tell me. You would flip out. If someone showed unconditional love to you, your head would go off like a popcorn maker. You wouldn't believe how many thoughts you have about why you don't deserve love. And, that, and just because that just came up for those five minutes when you're right in front of unconditional love, don't believe that it's not running your show all freaking day. All freaking day. Its whole point is, is to avoid at all costs that moment. It got caught by surprise. Oh, Jesus, I ran into unconditional love. All I want to do is live a life hoping for it one day. I don't want to have it now. 
but I want to hope for unconditional love. One day, not now, but later. <laughs> Check it out. Look at its freaking agenda. You hope and wish and pray for something that drops in your life, and you get you get busy ruining it immediately. Don't you? Oh, she, my fairy princess, she has a mole right behind the left ear. That's not that's, that's, forget it. I saw her third toe. It's a little deformed. That's it. She had to be perfect. I'm not. I'm withholding myself for another 20 years. Yeah. So no matter how far down the scale we have gone, this is so beautiful because it's you, the head and selfing, playing God, telling you how far down the scale you've gone. That you've gone so far, it's hopeless. Hasn't it told you that at times? But here it's saying, no matter how far down the scale you or we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. When you came, when I came in here, I swear, at least the last four years of my life out there, I saw no value in it from the point of view. When, I, when selfing looked back on it, I had no value in any day. I was prostituting myself constantly, everything like that. I was totally hopeless, fuck it. And I came in here, I surrendered to this program, and this program is the greatest recycler. It took the life that I called totally worthless, and it gave me the creds to share to thousands of people about a solution to the dilemma we suffer from. Now, if that isn't a demonstration of the power that we're at contact with, I don't know what is. That it can take what your God deemed totally worthless, and when your God said, you're fucking hopeless and you're a loser, there's nothing better for you to do than to get loaded again today. Nothing's ever going to change. And when that life, if you hadn't died, was given over to A, that life got totally turned around and was used to benefit others. Tell me that is not a huge demonstration of the fourth dimension in the third dimension. In the third dimension, you were a total loser, life was worthless, you might as well shoot up some dope with... Fucking, I used to shoot dope with spit. You're going to get an abscess. There's no way around it. If you don't... To spit in a spoon and, and put some, you know, a cotton in and shoot it in the thing, not thinking I was going to get an abscess, was totally insanity. And I didn't give a shit. All I wanted was to be oblivious. Yeah, boom. So here... That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. That's also the expressions of self. Yeah? Uselessness, uselessness and self-pity are another forms of the expression of self-centeredness in your life. When you get relieved from the self-centeredness, you will give up the feelings of uselessness and self-pity. But you will never give them up as a self. You may distract yourself from it, but your underlying theme inside there is that you're useless and you'll be oozing self-pity. I swear, I have seen some incredible self-pity fountains in AA. They're oozing it day after day after day after day because they're not, they haven't entertained the solution. So that feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things. We will lose. We, we won't banish it. We won't struggle and, and, and defeat it. We will lose interest. In other words, our interest that's so engaged in self-centeredness, that interest is engaged in self-centeredness because you're identified as the center of that system called self. All your interest is just like getting sucked into this black hole of selfing. 
If you entertain you're not that, the interest will be free from that, and you'll lose interest in it. You won't lose interest, yeah? Your interest won't be lost, you'll lose interest in it. Your interest will go to another topic, hopefully your own nature, yes? And when a little of your interest that's been going up this black hole of self goes to that spirit, it will illuminate your life. Light is actually using its... Light is being used by self to imprison you. It's only the awareness of all these insane thoughts that are driving you crazy. The awareness is the light. But it's been hijacked by self, self-centered the system, and it's causing you to live in darkness. We're trying to free up that light, and then that light will illuminate you. You'll start outshining situations and conditions instead of being the victim of them. And it's not personal. It just happens. Once you get your, your potential out of the ass of self, and, you, and you're giving it over to what we call a higher power, that higher power knows how to use you in a very benevolent way. And you'll, you'll reap the rewards of that takeover, just like you're reaping the rewards of the hostile takeover of alcoholism. You'll now be taken over by the fourth dimension. The fourth dimension will use this apparatus to express itself through, just like the parasite's been using it to express itself through. But I'm, I believe you'll be very, very, very happy with the expressions of the fourth dimension coming through you. Because they are explained in here. New happiness, new outlook in that life, new attitude. New, you'll comprehend serenity, you'll know peace. You'll lose interest in your selfish ideas and your little plans and designs. You'll gain interest in others. So, all right, we will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Fucking far out. <laughs> that should be another pause in the book, so that you can actually have a sense of it, yeah? Self-seeking will slip away. Maybe it'll be 21 years, maybe it's one night. But if we all sat and just stopped, you could sense it. You could sense the self-seeking slipping away. What a lovely feeling, it's, it's absence, yeah? Everything gets chilled out, you can relax. That incredible seeking engine turns off, and maybe you can really respond to what's happening here. Maybe at first sight from self, it doesn't seem like there's anything going on here, but with spiritual vision, maybe you'll sense something that's happening in this room. And maybe with the spiritual mouth, you'll be fed by what's happening in this room. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't most people's attitude, I really want everything to get better, but just as I am. Isn't that their attitude? I want to be just the way I am, but I want it to be better. They don't see that just the way they are is why it isn't better. They don't see their role. You believe it's happening outside. It's not happening from the outside to you. You're in cahoots with the whole thing here. Yeah. So our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Talk about extreme shift, eh? It's not a whole attitude and outlook about money. It says life. <laughs> that encompasses every topic that we run into. It's not saying a certain topic, every topic. Not alcohol either, but life. It doesn't say alcohol. Our attitude and outlook upon life, will, uh, alcohol will change. But it is part of life, so it will. But life. I mean, a huge shift. 
Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. It doesn't mean the destiny will change, but how you travel over it will change. Your destiny may not to have money, may be not to have money, but you will lose the fear of that financial insecurity. It will change how you travel. It may not change the, the landscape of your life, what's going to happen in it, but it's going to change how you travel over it. Man, that's incredible, isn't it? So you will lose, you will, <laughs> fear of people. And, and of, did you have fear of people when you were a kid? I mean, if, if you were in an abusive situation, maybe you, you did. But I, was, I grew up in a typical low-middle-class family. And I had no fear of people. when I, I'd run to total strangers. You know, I had to be, my mother would, no, don't go talk to strangers. I'd immediately want to talk to strangers. Now I see kids, you look at them in the big SUV, in the super $8,000 chair in the back, you know, <laughs> with, you know, with bulletproof glass, and I'm driving my little 87 pickup, and I look, and the little kid's initial reaction is to start smiling, but then you can see the conditioning kick in. And then he looks up at his mother up in the front seat. That's it. Selfing taking over. It's freaking unbelievable. Just like we said, you can outgrow fear because you grew into it. You and I have grown into this system of self-centeredness. Are you happy with its results? So fear of people and of economic insecurity with us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. When you would get arrested out there, did you intuitively know how to handle the situation? <laughs> I would run down a dead-end alley with the cops blocking the one out and thinking it was a good idea. I had no intuition whatsoever going on there. Everything was baffling me. But now it says, we will, we will intuitively know how to handle situations with used to baffle us. Do you believe this is going to be a product you're going to get in the third dimension of self-centeredness? Or is it a product of the fourth dimension? And you're not going you to, you won't sign for the product of the fourth dimension as a self. You'll try to claim it. You'll try to privatize it. You'll try to own it, and they'll save, sell some of it to someone else. But you don't. It's, you, it's very difficult to get the movement of the fourth dimension. Is, is you have it by giving it away. Have you met a coke dealer in this place that practiced that principle? <laughs> have you? Did they have it by giving it away? No. 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 But in the fourth dimension, that's the principle. You have it by giving it away. So you have this state of peace and serenity by not claiming it, not owning it, not privatizing it, not achieving it, not corralling it, but surrendering to it. You have it by giving it away, because it's actually going through you, probably to be of service to others, yes? So we will intuitively know how to handle situations we used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. So what could you not do for yourself? Make yourself happy, joyous, and free. Could you? Isn't that why we're here, in a sense? All our shenanigans, all our self-wills, all our plans never brought about a long-lasting happiness, joyousness, and freedom. We had to supplement it by getting loaded and doing other things and thousands of other things and try to find replacements for what we sorely need, which is that sense of satisfaction to counteract that irritable restlessness and discontent. And it's saying here, we will suddenly realize, suddenly realize, in other words, it comes in very quickly, we will suddenly realize that God is doing for us 
what we could not do for ourselves because you will probably start feeling happier and you'll start feeling more joy and you'll start feeling free and you will realize you could never have accomplished that because if you could have, you would have already. You've given the self, you've given the self tons of time to bring about happiness, joyousness, and freedom. Has it done it? Yet, we suddenly realize that some power greater than self can. Yeah, it is. We know it can because it is doing it. See, we hope the self can, but it never produces the goods. It just spends a lot of time on advertising up there. So, but we, so we have a false belief that it can, but we know this thing can because it's doing it. <laughs> You're starting to feel better, aren't you? Aren't you really? We found a solution. The solution is, please, if you're not the self, then the thoughts about it aren't about you. If you're not the self, you're not the thinker of the thoughts. If you're not the self, feelings are feelings. They're not your feelings. If they're not the self, reactions that you had when you were under the influence of self were not your actions. They were self's actions. Let's start being fearless and thorough and tell the truth about the expressions of self in our life and align ourselves with a power greater than self so that we can get on with the living from the fourth dimension. Now, so at least you don't have to hope that you'll be awake someday. You will be in awakeness. Yes? You'll be traveling. While you're traveling in awakeness, you're never hoping that you will arrive at awakeness. It's already so. You're awake. All the seeking stops because you finally found what you were looking for. And you will know it because the seeking will stop. Literally. When you really get it, when you get the sense, things are going to change radically. And like Jesus said, supposedly anyway, <laughs> you know the tree, let's say, so let's say the tree is the fourth dimension, and there's another tree called the third dimension. The third dimension is self-centeredness, yeah? and the fourth dimension is spiritual, the infinite power. You'll know the tree by its fruits. Just like in AA we say, self manifested in various ways. So this truth, this tree manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. By seeing its fruits, its right? Resentments, anxieties, harms done to others, we can see the tree in the fruit. So a good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bring forth good fruit. So if you're getting a whole lot of bad fruit in your life, it's probably coming from the bad tree of self-centeredness. Yeah? Why you can't entertain leaving that tree is you're identified as it. That's my hit on it. Because if you weren't identified as it, you would move, because it's very easy, over to the other tree. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> so, if you're identified as self, you can, your little head and selfing cannot entertain being free of it. It can entertain making it better. It can entertain getting therapy for it. It can entertain fixing up the body more so it looks better. It can entertain all of these things, but it cannot entertain being free of what it believes it is. It's impossible for this structure of thought to do that. You've got to, hopefully, entertain you're not that. If you're not a self, you can entertain being free of it. I'm serious. If you're not a self, you can entertain truly being free of it. When you entertain being free of it, you are now going to start entering into your true state, which is the fourth dimension. Yeah? 
And all these things will happen to you. New attitudes, new outlooks, comprehending words you never comprehended before. You'll actually comprehend satisfaction because you'll have it. You'll realize a solution. There's an example of a, of, of a solution that's worth its name in AA, and that is at one point when you entertain freedom from self, you will realize the problem does not exist for you. That's a solution worth its definition. A solution that totally erases the existence of the problem is a damn good solution. Yeah? It says it right there. But not as a self. There's got to be a recognition you're not that, and then these possibilities become possibilities. You know, you've gone through every possibility self-centeredness has to offer. We just add the word new and improve, or we do it in a ge- different geographical location, or with a different person, but we're doing the same old, same old. It's possible she'll save me. It's possible money will save me. It's possible education will save me. It's possible this will save me. It's possible that will save me. And we've gone, th- we've gone through every one of them. And we're just re-visiting re- them. And every inch of self-sendness you've been over already in your life. It's a dead system. It doesn't have what you're looking for in it. It doesn't. If it did, you would have found it already. You've been seeking relentlessly for years. You would have found it. If there was anything in there that was actually true and valuable and inherently solid, you would have found it already. It's not there. Self is a phantom. It's a parasite that's taken over you as the host. And the host is clamoring for what it knows can be true, and yet self will not let it have it. Because it would be the end of self's reign if you recognized your nature. If you comprehended the word serenity and peace, you would also comprehend what that statement playing God means. You would see the act of playing God, selfing is doing every day. You would comprehend it and you would know it. But you can't know it and comprehend it when you're under it. When you wake up in the morning, does your head tell you how the day's going to be? That's playing God. When you wake up in the morning, does it tell you how you were, how you are, how you're going to be? That's playing God. When it goes into, when you look in the mirror and it recognizes the body as you, that's it's playing God. Yes? When it says the past and future, and if you look at the thought system of self-centeredness, past and future is more important than now. Totally more important than now. It's totally absorbed in thinking about the past and the future. Yes? The freedom of all that is now. Now is an example in time of the eternity. Or like we say in AA, the pause. The pause is a timeless moment in time. Have you ever felt when you went into a pause, what they talk about in AA, you know, pause when agitated? It doesn't have the same feeling as a time moment. There's something there. Actually, there's something that's not there. (laughs) And it's a possibility. That's an eternal moment. Your whole life can change in a pause. You can, you can not go to a 30-year prison sentence if you would have stayed in the pause. If you had five extra thoughts in a situation, your whole life would have been changed. If I was in a situation where somebody was flipping out and fucking with me, and there was a gun in the room, and I'd been listening to my head all day, and then it said, pick up the gun and shoot that motherfucker, and I did it, I'd be in jail now 40 years. What's the difference between someone, me and someone else? Five extra thoughts. 
literally. If you've been listening to your thoughts like the Greek oracle of day, you think you're not going to listen to them at that moment? Of course you are. You're in the habit of listening to them. You've been listening, taking all your orders from K-Paul all day. You think you're going to have a, a moment of clarity break in? Don't kill that person. Sometimes, a lot of times, people go visit San Quentin. They didn't have that moment of clarity. I know people in there that killed someone in a blackout. They don't even remember killing anybody. And now they're in prison for 40 years. And unbelievable. Wake up, eh? It's not even a command. It's just a fact. It's a statement. Waking up, wake up is a statement, not a fact. I'm not saying a command. It's just you are that. Jesus, there's two of them. All right, well.